Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. Thank you very much. Um, it's good to be with you all here. Man, stepping up here just now, it made me think of something. About five years ago, I was, in front, I was speaking in front of a, a group of peers, uh, and, I, and I and had this message planned out. It was going to rock everybody's world, right? And as I was stepping up, my foot slipped, and I rolled onto the stage in front of about 400 of my peers and uh, had to collect myself. So I did rock their world, but I'm sure they're still telling the uh, story of that one guy that got up there and rolled on stage Um, So I'm glad that didn't happen this morning. Uh, I want to thank you all for uh, allowing me to come and share with you this morning um, a little bit about myself, besides having been in the ministry for a while and the the things that Aaron had already said. Um, One of the most, the most important thing to me over any ministry or vocational accolades I might have ever accomplished is the fact that um, I've been married for 24, almost 24 years uh, to the same person. And... um, (laughs) And I have three wonderful daughters, one of them here, Kylie, one of them's with me this morning, Kylie, and my other uh, two are with my wife who serves um, as the children's director at a church in Denver, um, so they can't be here, but they would have loved to have been here because they just love to hear me talk, you know? And uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm just, I'm, I'm so proud of my family and my girls and, and everything that God is doing in their life. And, and, um, and if you're a father or a mother, you know, I think you can share, uh, you, you, you're understanding where I'm coming from. Just be so proud of your child and, and, and uh, just so thankful for what they're doing. So I'm just thankful for my family. And, and really, that's the most important thing that I could probably tell you about myself is um, I'm so grateful for them. Um, this morning, uh, talking about uh, radical generosity, radical generosity, and, I, and, uh, and when you hear generosity, probably all of a sudden, especially after watching that video, you're thinking, boom, okay, we're talking about tithes and offering money, right? We're talk- and we're going to touch on that, but there's something I want us to look at that's so tied into the money part of it about being radical and experiencing radical generosity, either giving it or receiving it. Um, it's going to make it hard to be a tither and a giver unless we really tap into what I'm uh, going to present this morning about uh, being a rad- radically uh, generosity lifestyle. So I'm going to be the first one to tell you this morning that I know very little about agriculture, okay? I, I know very little. I know seeds go in the ground, and somehow it comes out of the ground, and if it's edible, we eat it, and we enjoy it, right? Almost everything that I do know, full disclosure, comes from short conversations uh, from people that I've met that are either from Iowa or Kansas, right? Because anybody from Iowa, and if you're from Iowa or Kansas, you, you'll, you're going to know more about agriculture probably than me, who comes from Phoenix, Arizona, because we grow cactus in Phoenix. Um, but, uh, you know, my great-grandfather was a preacher uh, in Bakersfield, California for years, but he was also a farmer. Uh, but he, I did not get any of that knowledge passed down to me. Um, in fact, I remember when I first bought my home, when I got married, um, did the landscaping all myself, threw myself into it, and went out to Home Depot, bought a bunch of trees, you know, and they come all in, a, like, the kind that are in a bag, right? The, the roots are in a bag, and the tree's there. And so I dug the hole, and I pulled the bag off, and I looked, and and there was a bunch of dirt surrounding the roots, right? Sounds obvious. 
Well, me and my inexperienced lack of knowledge for agriculture says, well, I don't want this old dirt around this, this tree. I want new dirt. So, man, I shook all that old dirt off of the roots, and I cleared it off, and I sprayed, I sprayed water, and I cleared all the roots off. I cleared all the dirt off the root where I just had the tree with the roots and no dirt, and then I put a bunch of new dirt around it and put it in the ground. Well, if you know anything about agriculture, which I didn't at the time especially, that's not good. Within about two weeks, uh, that tree was just totally dead because I disturbed everything. You know, so I'm saying all this just to let you know that my knowledge today of farming and how it works is very limited. But thankfully, um, I can grasp what Jesus uh, is, is, is conveying in this parable that we're going to read this morning out of Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1 through 6. And I'll read it this morning, what our scripture is. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. About the third hour, which is about 9 a.m., he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And he went out again at the sixth hour, and six hours about noon, and at the ninth hour, which is about 3 p.m., and he did the same thing. Um, about the 11th hour, which is about 5 p.m., he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long and doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. So this guy is hiring people to take care of his vineyard all day long. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and received denarius. Then when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, and they said... And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. He answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Don't you agree to, didn't you agree to work for a certain wage? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last." So when you read that, let me give you a little background to help give some context to what Jesus is speaking about in this parable, what he's describing. So the normal work day in Jesus, in the time of Jesus, was about 10 hours, not counting breaks. So you're working about a 10-hour day. And the pay uh, in this parable was uh, normal wage for what a common person or a foot soldier would be receiving. And so it was a fair wage that he was offering. And the day laborers were paid at the end of the day. They weren't paid every week or, or, or every two weeks like today um, because uh, in the Bible it talks and it was important that they got paid every day so the poor didn't go hungry, right? And so everything, what he's doing is fair. So it's incredibly important for all of us to understand that the landowner wasn't being unfair to the workers who had been working all day, right? He was, he'd set up with a fair pay. He'd set up with a, a good relationship with them and promised and he followed through on his promise. He agreed, uh, he paid what was agreed and uh, what was standard for the day. Um, he was being just. Everybody say just. just. 
He was being just in what he paid them. But he was being gracious and generous. And I want you to think about this for a minute. He was being gracious and generous to those who had worked less. And that's not wrong. It's not unjust. It's not discriminatory at all. It's gracious. The landowner was being gracious to those that had worked just a little because he wanted to be generous and bless them. And think about it. If you're one of those last ones hired, and I kind of was thinking about this, you know, think about it like you're standing in line, you're with, you know, I'm kind of, I've been working an hour or two, and I'm with these other guys and working 10 hours, and they're kind of real dirty and they're tired and hot, and I'm standing there, and, 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 and you know, pay is being doled out, and then here's their amount, here's your amount, it's the same one. You could be kind of looking around, like, okay, I better just kind of just walk away, right? Or would you be like, wait a minute, no, 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 I didn't work very much. Please pay these guys a lot more than me. Take some of my money and give to them. Don't be silly. We know we, and you would be very thankful of what the landowner had given you, right? You'd be very thankful for his graciousness. You'd be thankful for what had been passed on to you. At least you should be anyway. You should be thankful for receiving that commentators uh, have put out different commentaries and, and, and looking at what uh, this uh, parable actually would be meaning. And one would say this, said the message of the parable is that God's loving mercy accept the lowest members of society or an equal footing with the elite, those who come to God regardless of social uh, status, age, material wealth. Um, all of them are on equal footing with those that are the least in the community. All is going to be accepted uh, equally. Such generosity, such grace ought to cause believers to have great joy. And so you'll read commentaries and look at it that way. Another commentary would say that Jesus was teaching that the matter of rewards is under the sovereign control of God. And that the landowner, which is uh, like God, God is the one before who, uh, who takes all account and settles all the accounts. And many of, uh, uh, prominent places will someday find themselves demoted, and those that are in lower places will find themselves uh, uh, promoted and, 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 and equaled out. The final accounting, the Lord's analysis, will carry the greatest and only important weight. And so there are different ways to look at this parable. Um, and there's other ideas as well. And I think all of, the idea, all of those ideas and the ways of looking at that, they have merit. Uh, maybe one of them is exactly what God intended. I, I don't exactly know. But regardless of the opinions of what exactly this parable is hitting at, there are three things that stand out that we'll look at right now. Number one, when we read that parable, when you think about it, number one is that there's always work to be done in the kingdom. There's always work to be done in the kingdom of God. There's always something to be done. One of the first things when you think about work in the kingdom of God is, oh yeah, that's why we have a pastor, so they can do the work of the kingdom of God. And that's true. There's a calling on a pastor's life uh, that, that, is, that is unique and to that, that, to that role, but there's work to be done by every single member of the body of Christ. There's gifts and callings that you have, that I have, that when we act on them, when we contribute to them, then the body of Christ is, is, is risen to the place it needs to be. I mean, that's what the church does, right? We work together to, to, to be the body of Christ, right? So there's always work to be done. And it's just not on to uh, Pastor Will to get all of the work done. 
that's where we come around and, and we catch the vision of what God is doing and where God has planted us so we can go ahead and be effective and do what God's called us to do. So there's always work to be done in the kingdom. Number two, there, there will be a reversal of a worldly order of things. The last will be first and the first will be last. I mean, when you really think about that, that kind of can boggle the mind a little bit, right? The last will be first and the first will be last. I, I think about the time when my children were really young, and I, my job as dad, one of my many jobs as dad growing up when, they were, when we were raising our kids was I was the nighttime bath guy. My, my wife was extremely adamant, our kids get a bath at the end of the night. I don't care if they played out all out day outside or if they were indoors and just sweat a tiny bit, my girls need to get a bath. And so that's just the rule in our household. We bathe them every night. And my job was to get them in the bath and make sure they did the shampoo and conditioner and the soap and get them out and get them dry and get them with PJs and then hand them off and, and get them into bed. And so my kids always... Or tend to be a little competitive, and they probably get that from my wife and I. And, and, they, and there was always this thing of not wanting to be last. And there was an inevitable argument that always came up with one of the three girls, mostly my oldest, who's here today, who's very competitive. She, she hated the fact that someone would be before her. And it used to bother me. And I think, how am I going to get her to just relinquish control and let someone else be blessed before her? It came down to the fact she hated the fact if one of her two younger sisters were going to get dried off and get in their pajamas first. She didn't want to be the last. So what hit me one day, the great pastoral mind that I have in raising my children, I said, I said, well, you know what? Actually, the Bible says that the last shall be first. So when you're the last one out of the bath to get dried in into your pajamas, you actually are first. Light went on. Man, this is the best news I've heard, and I saw it. And so after a while, all of a sudden, she didn't want to be the first one out. She wanted to be the last one out. And at that point, she starts saying to her sisters, well, you know, y'all didn't win. I won because the Bible says the last shall be first. And I was last. And so she would boast of that she won. And I don't know what exactly she thought she was winning. The concept, she got a little wrong. Because it's not about being last so we can be first. It's about understanding that no matter where we are, where a person is in society, no matter where we are in status that we're perceived to have or have or don't have, is that when the grace of God and God's love is poured out and it's received, then all of us can receive it equally. And we don't earn it by who we are and where we are in life, but we just receive it, right? So it's that reversal of a worldly order of things. The last will be first and the first will be last. And then the other thing that we could concentrate on this morning is that this, number three, the landowner representing God is generous. And he says that the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is generous. God is generous, right? So let's look at this again from the perspective of this parable, knowing that the kingdom of God is a generous kingdom. God the Father is generous, just as that landowner was being generous to those that had worked a full day and honored what he agreed to give them, and those that had worked an hour and everyone in between, and he honored and he blessed them and gave them what he, what he uh, had agreed to give them, which was generosity. So if you think about it, and I could see it kind of when I think about it, think about it in your mind's eye a little bit about what it had to look like as people were standing there and they were getting their pay. And they're seeing these people that had worked very little compared to what they had worked, and they're getting this reward of the same reward they eventually will get, right? 
do you think that probably there's a little annoyance probably inside of them? Right? I mean, they're probably a little bit annoyed. I mean, they might be thankful that somebody's getting blessed, but they're a little annoyed because they're, they're, this person is getting the same amount that they are. And they would say, yeah, well, we worked all day here. Why should those people, those losers, those people that sat around all day, that came in at the very last moment, get the same reward that I'm getting? And the landlord or landowner, I'm sure he was like, hey, man, we agreed. Did you not get what we agreed on? And they would have to say, yeah. Then why are you begrudging my generosity? Why are you upset with the generosity that I'm giving someone else when you have received what we agreed on? Can't I do with my money what I want to do? Literally in the Greek, the landowner asked this, why is your evil eye, why is your eye evil? Because mine is good. What is it to you if I choose to bless someone else and you know that you're also looked after? What is it to you? What is it to you? And I think we can boil that down and look at us because how many times in our own life do we kind of look at our lives and look at where we are and we're looking where someone else is and you feel like we're trying to keep up with somebody else and we're trying to make it and you look and there's this little bit of covetousness, this little bit of jealousy about, man, I sure worked hard and look where we're at. And that person right there just, man, they go and give a testimony about how they started, you know, giving to the church and things turned around. And you were like, wow, you just jumped, you just started that and I've been at it all this time. I mean, I think if we're a little honest and we kind of look at, kind of look at ourselves, we know there'd be a little bit of struggle with that. That could creep in a little bit to be a little comparison about that. Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is like that. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So I'm sure that if someone's standing in the crowd after they heard the parable and Jesus is teaching, I'm sure there's a handful of people that might have been talking to themselves or maybe even wanted to talk to him and said, hang on a minute there, Jesus. What do you mean the kingdom of God is like that? You mean the kingdom of God is like lazy people, no hope people, get all the same reward in heaven as those who sweat away down here trying to do the right thing? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, no, maybe you're trying to tell me, you know, do you mean that God is like a, a, a rich person that just doesn't have any good common business sense? I mean, if you kind of think about it, you kind of hear where the reasoning of our human minds and people's human minds would start to to. to, to to struggle with this a little bit and try to reason it on, figure it out, almost getting upset, you know? Do you mean that good, honest, hardworking people like us don't get rewarded for all the good work that we do while useless, good-for-nothing people, you know, uh, they, they just pick up at the very last minute and, and they get that same heavenly paycheck that, uh, that I get when we, all, when we all come together? And when you think about that and when people, we try to reason it out, you know, there's something, you know, you can come up with and say, you know, people kind of feel like there's something offensive about or irreligious about the story that Jesus tells. Um, what sort of model is this for society? Like, I know me personally, you know, and, and you, you, we raise our children to what? Apply themselves, work hard, and you'll be rewarded for that. And all that's true. When you, when, but when you look at the God's grace and God's love and what he extends to every single one of his creation, he gives it with generosity. He gives it with a radical generosity. 
whether we deserve it or not. And thank God he doesn't give us what we deserve. But he gives with that radical generosity. And Jesus, prob- Jesus when he would hear the questions and the, the coming at him and, and asking him probably, what, what in the world is he trying to say? He would revert back to, yeah, that's what the kingdom of God is like. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. I mean, a heart would begin to soften as you think about this, and you'd step back and go, okay, hang on, I'm coming across too strong, it sounds like I'm being jealous, I'm begrudging someone else's good fortune. And it's not so much, Jesus, that I'm begrudging someone else's good fortune, because that's not who I am. But the problem I'm having would possibly be that the fact that that we're that I'm that we did this that they've done less or we've done this and I'm getting the equal amount that there's no fairness there and many times it comes down to the problem people have it's it's not it's not what they've gotten but they know what the other person got and they feel like they deserve more right there's that feeling that we deserve more you know, I was reading about this, and union disputes, when unions go on strike and things that really, when they service, union disputes many times aren't based out of just, um, uh, we want more money, but it's based out of right-sizing salaries. It's based out of um, overpay dish differentials, where people want it to be right-sized right across the board. So people in general aren't looking to necessarily get more than the other. They just want to, we just want to have our due share, right? We just want to have our due share. In other words, um, it's not that we feel we're not getting enough in some absolute sense. It's that we're not getting as much as the guy next to us. That becomes the problem. We want as much or more than the guy next to us. And Jesus says, hang on, in this parable, that's what the kingdom of God is like. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. I want you to think about this. And I think every parent or anyone that's dealt with children at any point has had this scenario where you have, say, a piece of cake, and there's one piece of cake and there's two children. What do you do? You don't split it. <laughs> you do not split that piece of cake and give it to those kids. You choose one. One of them gets to choose to what? Split the cake, and the one that doesn't split the cake gets to choose the piece, right, and divvy it up. That's good parenting right there. That's good parenting right there. So if you've got two kids and you do that, why do you do that? Is it because one of the kids is, 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 is going to complain that they didn't get enough? No. What the kid, one, of the, one of the kids possibly are going to be complaining is that they didn't get the same amount as the other one. There's where the complaint is. It's not so much that they didn't get enough, but they want the fairness. They want the same amount. Now, the truth is, if religion is about getting what we deserve, then we're all in trouble. If religion is about that, then we're all in trouble. You know, Paul said this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we know that's true. And we stand back and we look at the big picture. We know that none of us are really worthier than the other. Jesus taught us this. He taught us that there's something greater than justice, and it's called grace. It's called grace. And Jesus taught us that there's something greater than fairness, and it's called forgiveness. That's radical generosity. That's radical generosity. This is what the church is here for, is to be recipients of his generosity. And then number two is to give 
to others that same generosity and that same grace and that same forgiveness in which we so freely have received. See, it's not based on what I deserve. It's not based on what they deserve. It's based on this radical, generous grace that we've all been giving. Can you do the same? Can you and I do the same? When the landowner, when God gives the reward, and it's the same, and we see that example, when we look at our life having received that forgiveness, having been a recipient of that grace, can we do the same when we see somebody that we perceive as lower than us, that hasn't worked as hard as us, that's different than us? Can we still, do we still operate on a day-to-day basis of that same generosity, that radical generosity that says, I walk in love? I've, I've received of the grace of God and the forgiveness, and so there, my life is to return it to others. My life is to be that witness and to return it to others. Let me tie this back into when we give our tithe and our offering and we give it to our church and we give it into ministries and we give it to others. It's one thing to follow a concept or a precept and that's there. But let me tell you this, it's another thing. It, 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 it's, it's, it's very difficult to follow that concept if you don't first get a hold of living radically in the grace that you give others. Because you'll always be putting a price on it. You'll always be putting if it's worthy enough to give to, right? I mean, you run the risk of, well, I was going to give today, but I'm not so sure Pastor Will spoke what I wanted him to speak. So I feel a little, well, I was going to really be a, you know, but I'm not so sure where the church is going, so I'm going to, hmm. Is there grace? Did you receive grace? Did you receive forgiveness? Are you living that out in your life? See, when we live out that grace and we purpose in our hearts and our minds to live out that grace and that forgiveness, then when it's time for us to be generous with our offerings and our giving, it's so much easier because we're not now measuring up if it's worthy enough to give to. Right? Follow what I'm saying? We create that habit in our life that we are radically generous people because we have radically been able to receive grace and forgiveness and that we have a God who gives and he's generous toward us. And so, and therefore, I am now therefore generous to others. I'm generous in my life. I'm enacting that in my life. Can you do the same? Can you do the same? Pour grace on that person that you find so difficult to deal with that you tend to want to make a judgment on? Can you walk in that forgiveness, that radical forgiveness that you've been given? Can you be that person that gives the same grace that you've been a recipient of that same grace? Will you and I be those people that are glorying not in our own achievements, but in the love of God that is poured out for us in Jesus Christ? Thank God for his radical generosity. Thank God for that example of who he is. Thank God for his radical generosity toward us. And as I have received that radical generosity, I need to be a conduit of a person that gives out that same radical generosity to those people that are in my life, those people I come to, those people I minister to, to my church, making that that lifestyle that I give. I want to pray with you as the worship team comes forward right now. I just want to pray every head bowed and every eye closed. And let me just pray right now that
each of you, all of us, will continue to give out of the same grace, that same forgiveness, that same restoration to others that we have received, that we give out, that we have received from him, that we give out. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the porch. I thank you for the people that are here, people that are listening to this message. I thank you that as they have freely received from you that radical generosity of forgiveness and grace, that they know you are one that gives them, free, gives them freely and blesses them, has a call on their life. I thank you that they in turn take that same which they have received and they continue and begin to give it out to their church. They begin to give it out to the people that they meet in the streets and at work and their family and those that are all around them. I thank you that today is a day that decisions are made, that they are radical, generous people in every single area of their life. We just give you the praise and the glory, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing here in the hearts of the people in this church. Bless Pastor as he's away in Africa. Keep your hand upon them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks so much for coming today. Send your tithes and offerings in the baskets as you go.